Wow, if you have a Bible, please go to Colossians chapter one. We're gonna pick up in a series that uh, we started last week. And we've entitled this series, uh, Your New Life. Because when you are in Christ, you have a brand new life. In fact, you are a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone. And one day we're gonna hear the proclamation of Revelation 21 verse five where Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. That day is coming when everything will be renewed because of Christ and what he has done. It's all because of that cross right there. It's all because of the empty tomb that we have a completely different kind of life that we get to live. And last week we started this series by talking about your new life goal and we talked about how that our new life goal, if we are in fact a follower of Christ, our new life goal is the will of God. We wanna live in the will of God, we wanna live it out in our life. We talked about how that when you think of God's will, there's God's providential will where he's working behind the scenes in all of our lives, he's orchestrating human history. There's also God's prescribed will his moral will that is, uh, he's given to every one of us as followers, it's prescribed in his word, but then there's also his personal will. And for us as believers, we want to walk in the will of God for our life. Then on Wednesday night, uh, we looked at Colossians 1, 3 through 8, and we talked about our new life pattern. How there's a pattern that Paul gives to the church in Colossae, he gave it to the church in Thessalonica, he gave it to Timothy who was in Ephesus, and that pattern is that we are to uh, live in faith, but live that out in love. Faith and love, faith and love are the pattern uh, of our life. And that when we're living that out authentically, we're engaging the Lord and all that that means, but we're also loving and serving other people and all that that means. Today I wanna talk about your new prayer life, your new prayer life. Whenever it comes to the topic of prayer, most of the time we, we, we really have two basic questions that go through our mind whenever we think about prayer. First is, is God gonna hear me? And then secondly, secondly, is God gonna answer me? Is God gonna hear me and then is God gonna answer me? And if we're being really honest, whenever we're thinking about prayer, we really want God not only to answer me, but we want God to answer me in the way I want him to answer me, right? I mean, if we could be honest for just a moment, right? So whenever it comes to the topic of prayer, those are the two things that mainly run through our mind. Is God gonna hear the prayer that I'm praying and is he gonna answer me and is he gonna answer me the way I want him to answer me? What Paul gives us here in uh, Colossians 1, starting in verse nine, going through verse 14, as he's praying for the church in Colossae, he tells us, he reveals for us the seven benefits of prayer. Seven benefits of prayer and that's what I wanna talk about today. We're not going to read through the text, but we're going to jump right in with point number one. And point number one is simply this. It is when I pray, I learn more of God's will. Picking up where we left off last week. When, it, when I pray, I learn more of God's will. This is what, whenever Paul begins to pray for him in verse nine, this is the first thing he goes to. Remember, it was in verse one that Paul told us that he is living out the will of God. That's his life goal. That should be our life goal. And this is how he prays for him in verse nine. He says, and so, from the day we heard about their faith in Christ and then their love to all the saints, that pattern in their life, from the day we heard about that pattern, we have not ceased to pray for you. Here's what he, the first thing he's praying for, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Notice that, filled with the knowledge of his will. Now notice the fact that Paul is praying about this. The fact that Paul is praying this for the church in Colossae means that he believes that it's possible. 
So many times when it comes to our life and so many times when it comes to knowing God and knowing his will for our life, especially when it comes to knowing his will for our life, so many times we think that's unattainable. My friends, it is not. You can actually know God's will for your life. And this is the first thing that he prays for them about, that they would not just vaguely know it, but they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with the knowledge of his will. Again, Paul would not pray that prayer, would not pray that line if he did not believe that it was possible. Now, there's a whole lot of knowledge in the world. We all would agree to that. But the question is, is are we filled with the knowledge of God? There's a whole lot of things that could be known. There are things that you know that I don't know. There may be things that I know that you don't know. There's a lot of things in this broad category called knowledge. But the question is, is do we have knowledge of the will of God in our life? And we have to remember that it's James, Jesus' brother, who wrote the letter of James, who said, you have not because you ask not. You didn't ask me, therefore you didn't know. And so when it comes to this first point here of, of God's will, we need to remember that we don't know God's will many times simply because we're not asking. And Paul here is asking on their behalf, he's interceding for them, praying that they'll be filled with the knowledge of the will of God for them. Are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. 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 Number two is this, is when I pray, I learn more of God's thoughts. Not just God's will, but I learn more of God's thoughts. That's a great question to ask yourself. What does God think about in this situation or that situation? Instead of saying, what do I think about that? The question is, what does God think about that? And you say, well, well what topic? Well, pick a topic, any topic. One of our go-to questions should be, what does God think about whatever it is I'm going through or whatever it is that's happening in the world around me? Notice that he goes on. He continues. He says, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, because the spiritual applies to both words. So he's praying that they'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will for their life, but also that they would have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not wisdom of the world, not the understanding of the world, but spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. When Paul uses that word spiritual, he's referring to heavenly wisdom and heavily, uh, heavenly understanding. What this tells us is that the more I talk to God, the more I spend time with God, the more I engage with God in prayer, not only can I learn what his will is for my life, but I also learn the way God thinks. I learn how God sees the world around me. You see, whenever I'm praying and asking God to, for his will, I'm asking, God, God, what do you see in me? Where do you see me going? What is it that you see me doing? What is it you see me being a part of, right? But whenever I'm learning God's thoughts, I'm learning how God sees the world that I live in. It's one thing for me to live in the will of God. It's another thing for me to understand how God sees the world and everything that's going on around us. We want to know, God, what is your perspective on what is taking place? Yes, I want to know how he sees me and where he sees my life going, but I also want to see the world the way he sees the world. That happens when I pray. Number three is when I pray, I stay more faithful. Whenever I pray, I stay more faithful. 
whenever I'm in constantly engaging God in prayer, constantly going before his throne, constantly in his presence, it produces a faithfulness in me. Now, you may say, well, Chris, I'm, I'm pretty faithful. I'm kind of content with my level of faithfulness. And most of the time, functionally, most of us are. But you have to remember, there's always more. God is always calling us to more. God is always wanting to do more. God is calling us to deeper levels of commitment, deeper levels of sacrifice, so that we can live for him in beautiful, beautiful ways so that the world can see. And so every one of us that's here, every single one of us that's either in this room or watching online on television, right now God is calling you to a deeper level of faithfulness. The question is, do you know what it is? Notice what Paul says, again in verse 9. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Notice that. Paul is praying that not only would they know his will, not only would they know his thoughts and have spiritual wisdom and understanding, but they would walk in such a way, that is to live in such a way that is worthy of the Lord and actually fully not partially, fully pleasing to him. That's called faithfulness. Fully pleasing to him. Now, every one of us, we all measure ourselves in some way, don't we? We all measure our worthiness. And if we set up that grid by which we measure ourselves by, some days we feel worthy. We feel like we're, we're getting it right. Some days we feel unworthy. The question is, who gets to set the standard of worthiness? Who gets to set the standard of your worthiness? Is it the Lord or is it you? Or do you give that away to someone else? What Paul is praying for them here is they would see that there is this Lord and he has a standard. But you can actually walk worthy of the Lord. You can actually walk in such a way that is fully pleasing to him. Paul would not be praying it again if it was not possible. It's possible. And he's praying that they would see that, that they would not set the standard themselves, that they would not try to live worthy of themselves, but they would try to live worthy of the Lord. And their goal would be to fully please him. If you go to the book of Judges, you see this phrase that is repeated. And the danger of this phrase is what plagues our day today. It is so dangerous. And the phrase that you see over and over in the book of Judges that is absolutely paralyzing to people is they did what was right in their own eyes. You see, you are either going to set your standard of worthiness or you're going to let the Lord. And when you let the Lord, you have to pray into that. Say, Lord, I want to be worthy of you. I want to walk in a manner that is worthy of you, fully pleasing to you. Number four is when I pray, not only am I faithful, but I bear more fruit. I bear more fruit. I think every one of us who follow the Lord say we want to be fruitful in the kingdom. We want our life to count. We want our life to have purpose. We want our life to have meaning. We have to pray into that. But I'm telling you, when you spend time at the feet of the Lord, it will produce fruitfulness in your life. Not just faithfulness, but fruitfulness. Notice he's praying here, again, starting verse nine. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. What does that look like? Bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Notice he didn't use the word season. He didn't say bearing fruit in every season. 
He says, in every good work. Can I tell you that the Lord is always, always, always doing a work in you? And what the Lord is doing, when it says good work, we know the word good is synonymous with the word godly in the first century. So every godly work that the Lord encourages you to do, that he inspires your mind and heart to do, he's praying that it would bear fruit. It would bear fruit. Now here's the thing. No matter the season of life we find ourselves in, no matter the season, it can be a fruitful season. The problem is the modern church has become very proficient in excuse making. Can I get an amen? We become very proficient in excuse making. Well, I don't do this because of that. I can't do this because of that. And we just go around making excuses, forgetting the fact that we have resurrection power in us. The question, whenever we're going into a new season, when the season changes, the question is, what does faithfulness look like in this season? We ask this as individuals. We ask this as families. We ask this as a church. What does faithfulness look like in this new season? There may be past seasons of fruitfulness. There may be past seasons that were absolutely barren. But as we go into a new season, the question is, Lord, what is it that you want to do through me? What is it you want to do in me? What does fruitfulness look like? What does fruitfulness look like? I want to bear fruit in this season. I want to be faithful so that I can bear fruit. What does this look like in my life? But when we pray, when we pray, he will show us exactly that. Number five is this, is that when I pray, I know God more. I get to know God more. And whenever I say know God more, what I mean by that is you know his character. You get to know the character of God. Notice how Paul prays here. I'm going to back up again to verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. What Paul is praying there tells us that you can actually increase in your knowledge of God, meaning you can know who he is and what he is like. When you know some things about God, you know facts, if in fact they are true. To know about God is to know some facts. But if you're truly going to know God, you have to seek his face, the Bible says. And there's a world of difference between the two. If you're going to know about God, you will know some facts. You may even know some Bible verses. You may have even read a theology book. Good for you. But if you're really going to know him, you have to do what the Bible calls seek his face. Go to Psalm 27 if you want to. That's in the Old Testament. Psalm 27. In verse 7, David is praying and he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Then verse 8, you have said, seek my face. That's a command of the Lord. You want to know who I am? You don't know what I'm like? You don't know my character? Seek my face. My heart says, David said, your face, Lord, do I seek. I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to seek your face. I want to look into the face of God. It's an image. I want, I want to know him in an intimate way. The question is, how do we do that? How do we seek the face of God? He tells us the answer in verse 14. The answer is wait for the Lord. 
wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. He repeats himself, wait for the Lord. Do you see that? Notice he says, to wait for the Lord, it takes strength. Strength. Weakness is running off and trying to fix things yourself. To wait for the Lord, oh, that takes strength. Not only does it take strength, you also have to let your heart take courage. You have to encourage, instill courage in your heart in order to wait for the Lord because waiting for the Lord takes courage. See, we just want to move ahead of God. We want to fix things. But what he's calling us to is that if we're going to seek his face, we have to learn to wait on him. We have to learn to sit at his feet so that we may gaze up into his eyes. Because again, there, that's when we learn who he is. That's where we learn who he is. Number six is when I pray, I gain more of God's strength. When you're a person of prayer, you are a different kind of human being. You are a different breed. There is something completely different about you. And some of you know what I mean. When you just get around someone who prays, you know it. You know this person talks with the Lord. And whenever I'm in prayer, whenever I'm engaging God in prayer, there's a different kind of strength that I have in my life. Notice what he's praying in verse 11. He says, I pray that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Not your might, his might. That you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You see, the strength that you have in your life, that strength is based off the degree to which you pray. The strength that you have in your life is based off of the degree to which you pray. Please hear me. The strength that you have in your life is based off the degree to which you pray. But so many times, whenever, whenever I talk with people or whatever, a lot of times we say, but, but I do pray. I do pray, or I did pray. I prayed. In life, we have become accustomed to giving orders. Have you noticed this? We become very accustomed to giving orders. We want food, we go to the restaurant, we place a order. And we want it in a timely manner, and we want it to be, our food to be on time, we want it to be hot, unless it's a salad, then you want it to be cold, don't eat a hot salad, right? You, you, you place the order, you get the food, and you want it to happen quickly. We go online, and we go on uh, you know, the Amazon and get the mark of the beast. Just kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm on Amazon right now while he's preaching. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, you may be going to hell, but anyway. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. No, no, no. But we place an order, and then we, we even know when it's going to arrive at our house. And by George, if it's late, we're upset right? And we give orders to everybody. We give orders to our spouses. We give orders to our kids. We give orders to our grandkids, if you have any. We give orders to people at work. We get so accustomed to giving orders. So many times whenever we say, but I prayed about it, what we mean is, I told God what I want. That's what we mean. That's not prayer. That's not prayer. That's not going before a holy God sitting at his feet, gazing into his eyes so that you can know his character, so that he can speak to you. That's not taking time to listen to who he is as he reveals himself to you. That's not prayer. 
Martin Luther, I was reminded this week, he said, you know, I'm so busy. There's so much going on. There's so many things happening. Uh, There's so much demand on my time. I have to spend three hours in prayer every morning. We hear that and we say, well, I I could never do that. Because remember, we're very proficient in excuse making. But I'm telling you, when you get desperate enough to actually know him, when you get desperate enough where you need a touch from God in your life, when you get desperate enough and you're tired of living your will, when you get desperate enough and you know you're not being faithful and you want to be faithful, when you get desperate enough, you'll start spending time with him. And what you're going to find there is there's a strength that you can have that he will place in your life that will absolutely blow your mind. When I pray, I gain more of God's strength, but I have to learn to wait on him. Number seven, when I pray, I endure with joy. I learn how to endure with joy. Paul prays for them in verse 11. I pray that you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. Give me thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Notice that there's endurance but it's endurance with joy. Does life get hard? Absolutely. Are there hard seasons in life? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let me tell you, when you're engaging the Lord in prayer, there will be joy, no matter what's going on around you. If you find yourself joyless, odds are it's because you're prayerless. You show me a Christian who has no joy in their life, that overriding joy that can override the circumstances that they're going through. You show me a Christian that has no joy and I'll show you a prayerless Christian every time. And Paul prays that you would endure what you're going through, that you would endure it, but you would do it with joy. My friends, when you go into the throne room of God, you're going into the room of the most joyful person in the whole cosmos and you cannot spend time with him without that joy affecting your life. So that no matter what you find yourself going through, there is an undercurrent of joy that is there with you every step of the way. The question is, how is all this possible? How is it possible to go to the Father and learn his will, to learn his thoughts, to be more faithful and fruitful, to know more of his character, to receive more of his strength and his joy no matter what we go through? How is all this possible? You have to read verse 13 and 14. It says this, that he... This is what Jesus has done. This is what the Father has done in our life. This is what the Holy Spirit has done in our life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All of this is possible. You can know his will. You can know God's thoughts. You can be faithful and fruitful at the same time. You can know his character. You can have his strength. You can have his joy. All of this is possible because he has transferred us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You see, Christians in the room, if you're a Christian, Christians, you have to remember who you are. You have to remember that the Father's not hiding his will. He wants you to know it. You have to remember that the Father's not hiding his thoughts. He wants you to know them. You have to remember that the Father wants faithfulness for you and fruitfulness for you. He wants to reveal his character. He wants to give you the strength you need. He wants to give you the joy you need because he knows what you're going through. You have to remember who you are. You've been transferred out of darkness into a whole different kind of kingdom. 
if you are a Christian. But if you are not, let me say this. If we could have an honest moment, since I'm already over time, might as well. If you're not a Christian, you won't know his will. If you're not fully surrendered to him, you're not going to know his thoughts. If you haven't turned your life over to him, there will be no faithfulness. There will be no fruitfulness. If you have not laid your life down at his feet, and this transfer from darkness to light has not happened, I'm sorry, there is no strength for you. There is no joy for you. But if you have, it's all available. All you have to do is ask him to go to the Father, to sit in his presence, to wait on him. Let him speak. I promise he will answer. And that's available to every one of you who call on his name, believe in his name, and has, and has had his name tattooed on your heart. It is available. So let us not make excuses, my friends. You have a whole new prayer life if you are in Christ. A whole new prayer life. You don't have to reduce it down to request making. But it can flourish and be something beautiful as God reveals who he is. You just have to put in the time. You just have to hit your knees. When was the last time you knelt in prayer, O oh, prideful one? <laughs> you say, well, I got bad knees. Well, we'll figure it out. When's the last time you knelt in front of him? Say, God, I have nothing without you. When's the last time? When's the last time? You got before him, you said, I'm just going to wait on you, Lord. I'm just going to wait. Because if you don't come, I don't have anything. Come on, Christian. Come on. When was the last time? You want answers? You've been given heaven orders? When was the last time you knelt before him? And say, God, I need you. Because you can't do it on your own. You're not strong enough. You can't manufacture the joy. You've been trying to be faithful and you're failing. You've been trying to be fruitful and you're failing. When's the last time you got on your knees before a holy God and said, I need you? Lord, we need you. We need you. Right now, we need you. Lord, we need to know your will. Because we want to walk in it. Lord, we need you. We want to know what you think. Forget what we think. We need you. Lord, we want to be faithful. 
We want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We need you. Lord, we want to bear fruit in every single season. Lord, we know you're doing things through us, but you're also doing things in us. Lord, we want to know what that fruit is. We want to see it flourish. We need you. God, we need your strength. Ours is just not enough. We need you. Lord, we need your joy. So many things in this world just pull us down. It's so heavy. It's so hard. Lord, there's sin and sickness, disease. There's so much going on. Lord, if we don't have joy from heaven, we don't have joy at all. We need you. Lord, we need you. And Lord, may we spend time at your feet that we may know your character. Forgive us for our arrogance and our approaching you. We need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you.